I want, I want, I want me, 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 mine, 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 now, now, now. You know you're responsible for what you hear. You know you're responsible for what you hear. and welcome to Thoughts from Meharry Head, the weekly podcast where I talk about, well, whatever happens to be bouncing around inside my head at the moment, but mostly focusing on constitutional issues and political decentralization. This is episode 74 of Thoughts from Meharry Head, and I appreciate you tuning in. This week, I'm going to talk about economic ignorance. Before I get started in this episode, I wanted to remind you, if you haven't done it already, head over and download my free ebook, The Power of No. This is a uh, overview of state nullification, which is a process that we can use to address overreaching federal power. States have the ability to stop federal overreach using this process. So if you want to learn more, if you want to know how we can stop unconstitutional federal actions, download my free ebook, The Power of No. I'll put a link on the show notes page so you can head over there. It's absolutely free. All you got to do is enter your email address and you will be able to download the ebook. So if you haven't done it, do it. So today I want to talk about one of my great frustrations, and that's this rampant economic ignorance that we see in the United States today. Oh, it's so frustrating. You'd be having a discussion with somebody, and, and you make an economic point, and it just goes right over their head. They completely ignore any economic analysis and hold tightly to whatever goofy opinion that they've developed. Economist Murray Rothbard once said, it's no crime to be ignorant of economics, which is, after all, a specialized discipline and one that most people consider to be a, quote, dismal science. But it is totally irresponsible to have a loud and vociferous opinion on economic subjects while remaining in this state of ignorance. That's exactly what we have today. We have a bunch of people with loud and vociferous opinions on economic subjects, and yet they are completely ignorant of economics. And worse, won't listen to any type of economic argument at all. They just blow you off and pretend like you, you know, like you're talking in a foreign language or something, which I guess in their head you are. Now, if you really want to see the loudmouth, economically ignorant, and illiterate people that Rothbard was referring to, just bring up the minimum wage debate. That pulls them right out of the woodwork. So many people seem to think that when you start talking about minimum wages, 
economic laws cease to exist. You know, it, to me, it's just as ridiculous as thinking that, oh, I can jump off a bridge and gravity's not going to work in certain situations. I mean, it's, it's absolutely absurd. And yet people cling to this, this desire to raise the minimum wage despite all of the economic evidence against it. The current minimum wage debate in New Jersey vividly illustrates this point. Earlier this year, the New Jersey legislature passed a $15 per hour minimum wage. And every time I see this, I wonder to myself, why $15? Why has $15 per hour become the magic, perfect minimum wage? You know, how do you even know that? I mean, that's what markets are for. Markets determine prices. And wage is nothing but a price. It's a price of labor, right? Yet, for whatever reason, $15 an hour, that's the magic minimum wage. So anyway, that's what they passed in New Jersey. But Governor Chris Christie vetoed the measure. Now, I'm not a huge Chris Christie fan, but in this case, he definitely got it right. But the legislature will certainly try to raise the, uh, the, to raise the minimum wage again during the 2017 legislative session. And uh, so the debate's continuing to rage. Now, earlier this month, Lieutenant Governor Kim Guadano, and I might have said her name wrong. If I did, I apologize, Lieutenant Governor Kim. She said, quote, if we pass the $15 minimum wage, you're pumping your own gas. Wait, pumping your own gas? What in the world is she talking about? Well, fun fact, in New Jersey, it is against the law to pump your own gas. Yeah, that's a law. I think it is in Oregon, too, although they might have loosened it a little bit. But yeah, can't pump your own gas. So if you go to a gas station in New Jersey, you're going to have a clerk come, and or an attendant. I don't know if clerk's the right word. But somebody's going to come pump the gas into your car for you, which I'm sure is nice on a cold winter New Jersey morning. Nevertheless, uh, the lieutenant governor is basically saying, if we pass this $15 minimum wage, you're not going to be able to afford to have somebody pump your gas for you. You're going to have to pump it yourself. She went on and she said, if you go to $15 minimum wage, you're not going to be able to hire that high school kid or that senior citizen or that person who is here trying to move here from out of the country. Now, of course, the lieutenant governor is absolutely right. No sane business owner is going to pay somebody $15 an hour to pump your gas. In a free market, wages reflect the value an employee adds to the business. There is not $15 per hour value in gas pumping. Simple fact. Now, you can force it by law, but you're forcing it by law. There is no $15 per hour value there. But Kevin Beam of Hoboken, he disagrees. He provided his expert economic analysis in a newspaper article. Uh, it was on app.com, which is a uh, New Jersey uh, news site. He said, quote, I don't really get the correlation between raising the minimum wage and these guys losing their job. I don't think increasing the minimum wage is going to force people to cut jobs. Okay. Well, Beam fails to provide any reason why the most basic economic laws of cost, supply, and demand will somehow cease to operate in New Jersey. But he doesn't get the correlation, so he doesn't think increasing the minimum wage is going to force people to cut jobs, so he's for the minimum wage. Okay, this dude knows nothing about economics. But, as Rothbard pointed out, he has a loud and vociferous opinion. Now, Denisha Florentino, she takes her economic ignorance to an even higher level. 
She said she supports the $15 minimum wage, even if she has to pump her own gas. It's wonderful how she's willing to sacrifice for the little people, right? She said, I would be sad if it became self-serve, but I'll adjust. I don't want to be out there when it's cold, but they need their support. It's still not a living wage, so I support it, even if I have to pump my own gas. Philip Watson, he echoed Florentino. He said, though I'm Jersey born and bred, and I'm used to being waited on at the gas station, I'd certainly give that up for $15 an hour for the population that supports us in these types of employment prospects. Okay, I don't think Florentino and Watson have quite thought this through. If the gas stations go self-serve, the gas station attendants won't have jobs. The current minimum wage might not be a, quote, living wage, whatever in the world that means, but it's certainly better than the $0 per hour wage, which the guy that used to be pumping your gas will make after his job is eliminated. Okay, so there's one hitch in this economic equation. They'd have to repeal the Retail Gasoline Dispensing Safety Act. Yeah, that's a thing, in order for these people to lose their jobs. So they could force that $15 an hour minimum wage through, and those clerks could still be there pumping $15 an hour gas. But that means the gas station owners would have to eat a massive increase in labor costs. Now, contrary to popular belief, these businesses don't make big bucks selling gas. They earn pennies on the gallon. So how will these businesses survive if the state boosts the minimum wage and doesn't repeal the mandatory full service laws? Yep, you guessed it, they'll raise prices. And at that point, people like Watson, Florentino, and Beam will start complaining about the oil companies gouging them. Learn economics. I'll provide a link on the show notes page where you can do just that. Well, that's it for this episode of Thoughts from a Hairy Head. We're another 10 minutes closer to freedom. I appreciate you listening, and if you enjoyed the show, do me a favor and spread the word. You can email me at michael.meharry at 10thamendmentcenter.com, and you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. That's it. I'll talk to you next week.